Hello and thank you for joining us. How have you been? You are listening to My Surrogacy Journey, the podcast season two. We're taking you on a journey of education and surrogacy storytelling. I'm Wes, one of your hosts today. And I am Michael. How are you doing? Thank you for downloading us again. We really do appreciate all of your lovely support. It's good to be back in your ears. And as always, if you're new here, welcome and thank you. Wes, we've also got ourselves a sponsor for season two, I hear. We absolutely have. It's Hearts and Essex Fertility Centre and they were established in 1989 with an outstanding track record and they've created over 7,000 babies as a result of their care over the last 34 years. Wowzers. Hearts and Essex Fertility Centre is a leading surrogacy clinic and was awarded Surrogacy Fertility Clinic of the Year in 2018 and again in 2022. So me and Wes are your hosts on the My Surrogacy Journey podcast, and we're going to be mixing it up each week. Sometimes it might be just me, sometimes it might be Wes, or like today, you've got both of us. Today's episode is a treat, and one I know is going to really help so many people. I hope you're ready for it, and so grab your tissues too. We are talking to a group of surrogates about their personal journey of becoming a surrogate, the highs and the lows, and why they chose to offer their bodies to help build or complete a family. Actually, Wes, I did this on the train. There's no collective noun for what you would call a group of surrogates. So I was thinking, what could we coin as calling a group of surrogates? And I was thinking of the act of what surrogacy is. And then obviously, angels always comes to mind. A group of angels, you know what you call a group of angels? A host of angels. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking, ah, that kind of works for a... A host, a host of, of surrogates? Yeah, because yeah. quite literally you host. Yeah. I quite like, like that. that. Yeah, I do quite like that. Okay, good. Yeah. Anyway, you would have to kind of explain it, wouldn't you, for people to get it? Yeah, well, yeah. maybe not. Or either that or an altruism. An Sorry. altruism of surrogates. Mm. You've come up with a new term. You've got to make it I'm going to get it on Wikipedia. Quick. <laughs> So we're talking to the incredible Megan Watson-Wing, who is childless by choice, uh, and she gave birth in January 2023, and she was also seven months pregnant on her wedding day. Amazing. We can't wait to hear more about her journey. We're also joined today by the fabulous Kay King, who I know you're just going to love, and we weren't going to hit all her views today on surrogacy and why she chose to offer her body to help another amazing set of parents. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, let's dive straight in then, shall we? Yeah, let's hear. Give us a bit of intro, Kay. Uh, Tell us a bit about in you. In the background. Sure. Hi, it's great to be here. So I'm Kay. I got to know my surrogacy journey gaggle of people in the last couple of years. Three various bits of work. I work in reproductive health and rights in the charity sector and have also been matched as a surrogate to two parents who I'm on a journey with now through my surrogacy journey. Amazing. And I'm Megan. I'd never had any sort of connection to the sort of surrogacy world until COVID happened. I donated my eggs twice and thought that it might scratch that itch that I had in my head. It didn't. <laughs> so I found Mike and Wes as my surrogacy journey were the only ones that would actively sort of let someone who's childless by choice and who's never been pregnant, never had kids before, sort of be a surrogate. So uh, I got to know them is early 2021. Yeah, something I'd like say that. so. Yeah. It's when we launched in February 2021 and you were right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. And then I got matched with 
probably the nicest set of IPs to ever exist and gave birth in January of this year. So, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> see, see, look, it can absolutely happen and it's about having faith and it's about mm-hmm. kind of working with people and helping them understand and help them achieve their goals, not just intended parents, but but surrogates. You know, yeah. you, you really wanted to help someone. So why, why shouldn't we help totally. you achieve exactly. that? Meg, we're seeing childless by choice women and people really owning that space in terms of future surrogates Mm -hmm. whereas previously it was a real challenge Mm -hmm. either for clinics to sign off someone that hadn't given birth or hadn't had a pregnancy and we're starting to see that change within the surrogacy community why do you think that is i think because nowadays Although social media can't be great sometimes, it can also be great for finding communities and finding people where if you don't have a traditional view, like I never had a traditional view of being a parent, I didn't want to. And, you know, there's spaces out there for people like me that don't want children. And then there's also within that community, there's people like me who don't want children, but will be a surrogate for other people. And I think it's a case of, people are now able to f- connect to people on their their level and it's mm-hmm. also kind of empowering that we are able to use our voices now and you made a great point at the conference as women surrogacy is kind of something that we can reclaim for ourselves it's the only thing that we sort of have our own right and our own say over and yeah i think that's a really big part of it it's what it's like when you buy a new car when you see your car you see it everywhere and when you become a surrogate you do you just know of surrogates you just meet them and you naturally just gravitate <laughs> that's towards so interesting them. <laughs> that's, that's really so cute we're in the in really, club now it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're like a cool little club I, I mean it'd be really nice if the club got miles bigger and you know there was more that's surrogates the plan yeah <laughs> manifest <laughs> so so megan like you know when you were thinking about being a surrogate and and all of the dynamics that are, are kind of attached to being a surrogate what were some of the apprehensions that you had at the really early stages what are the things that you were kind of worried about i think I think trying to explain to close family and friends Mm -hmm. that I wasn't willing to have a kid for myself and with my husband, but I was willing to have a kid for someone else. Like I could understand how if you don't have the same mindset as me, why that would be hard to wrap your head around Mm and sort of being able to have those conversations because Besides from, you know, Kim Kardashian and things in the celebrity world of surrogacy, you don't know of just everyday surrogates mm-hmm. and, you know, having those conversations of will they be OK with it? Even though I'm not the kind of person that realistically cares, I do like to put other people's feelings into perspective as well. And especially, you know, I like my mum always wanted me to have kids and I'm an only child. So oh, her, I didn't know that. Yeah, no siblings, no, no nothing. Uh, just me. <laughs> so how was it getting your mum on board then? What was that like? Do you know what? I think she's, because I've always had the open communication with her of not wanting kids like Uh she's known it since I was like 13 14 okay I think she was always like maybe when you're older maybe when you're 21 and then 21 rolled around she's like maybe when you're 25 and you know it just (laughs) it never came but then she also struggled with fertility herself she grew up with no money like my dad and they couldn't afford fertility treatment and it took 10 years for them to have me so my mum could also sympathize as well and she's 
she understood she was the most understanding like there was no apprehensions or she wasn't angry she wasn't upset obviously she was a bit worried because with any pregnancy there's there's worries even if like my husband and I were to have a baby those those same implications are still there and worries but she was so supportive amazing and so was my dad and so were my in-laws and you know, and I think it's just because they know who I am. I'm just going to do what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> they used uh, to it at this point. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Okay. What I love about this vehicle of this podcast is for the listener whose ears we're in today, whoever they may be, surrogacy is a topic which is inevitably going to increase in volume as, as this year progresses with the law reform. And unfortunately, there are noises of of a small group of people, but have very loud voices. And I'm talking about these anti-surrogacy groups that will often refer to you and Megan as poor or unemployed or vulnerable or gay men or men generally forcing you to rent out your womb and sell your offspring. I can see you smiling already. What message do you have to those types of people? I mean, I think it's in any area of reproductive health. We see it all the time, right? Any area where we're talking about anything to do with people's bodies in relation to reproduction, there is a small group of very loud voices that have something really clear to say on it. For me, as a woman, a 41-year-old woman who grew up in a very religious cult-based background, who is queer, who was a people pleaser throughout all my life, um coming to a point where I'm finally making a decision about my body that I'm 100% owning and I'm leading that is is an act of radical feminism. It's not an act of any kind of exploitation. And I think we are told as women or people with wombs all of our life what we have to do with our body, how we have to change its shape, how we have to conform, how we have to do this, how we have to do that. And surrogacy for me is purposing something within my body and it's not in it's not an entirely I think there's this thing that is you know my relationship with the parents I'm doing this with I said from the off please don't feel forever indebted to me like don't be like forever saying thank you thank you because this is this is my journey too and this feels like something that I'm doing just to you know to make those own decisions around my body and and to actually learn stuff about myself and to purpose something that I've been given a gift of which is I'm good at pregnancy I'm good at birth and I've got a womb you know it's as simple as it is for me just perfectly put thank you Kate. but I also think that you know you you have the right to do what you want with your body and and I think this is always this assumption that you know the intended parents are uh, the ones getting something out of this well yes they are mm. but like you just said and I've heard this multiple times from multiple surrogates that they get an enormous amount from their journey. Yeah. You know, it's, it's reciprocal. Within anything in life where there's anything to do with our bodies, it seems that there's a group of people that have got something to say there, doesn't it? You know, that's within abortion rights. That's within trans rights. That's within sex work. There is always a group of people who, because of the shame that we've built around everything that is to do with sex and 
land bodies and because of the religious connotations and because of the societal restraints, we've reached a point where if something's out there, people have really strong opinions on it. You know, it's very much linked to morals that, you know, they, they may not have even developed themselves. They may have just been taught this is the way you've got to be. That is not excusing anybody from having those views. But I can understand how that emerges. And I think when people get loud about it, that also then spurs other people in. We're in a place where people quite like to be antagonistic. And it takes surrogates like myself and others to sit and say, this is the opposite of exploitation. This is something I'm choosing to do. Back off, leave us alone, let us get on with it. Um, come and join us if you want to, you know. <laughs> yes, I agree, I agree. Couldn't agree more. Let's talk about the relationship with uh, your, your intended parents or your parents, you know, in terms of how, how do you build that relationship and how do you maintain that relationship? Because I think for me, when I speak to a lot of intended parents, uh, right at the start of their journey, they find it really difficult to understand how that relationship is going to evolve and what that's going to be like. And Meg, you know, you jump in as well. Yeah, I think Megan and me might have a fight off on who's got the best parents. <laughs> I think they're both collectively brilliant, incredible, yeah. top yeah. tier, yeah, top, first top prize, ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Along with all the other IPs that ever show my eye. I mean, for, for me, relationships are really important and I'm a very all-in relationship person, you, really you know? I'm a like give a good hug let's throw all the cards on the table have a chat talk about everything in as much detail as we can I am also aware that's not how everybody is I'm fortunate that through MSJ I have been matched with people who are also very like that so our relationship is really really good and close not just because well me and Georgia already know each other not just because we kind of have that previous relationship but because you've thought about how you're matching people together I don't think that all relationships between the parents and surrogates need to necessarily be, you know, love hearts and a million text messages a day. Mm -hmm. I think they can have much, very, like a real variety of boundaries to them, but... Yeah. Functioning relationships. Functioning relationships and an awareness, I guess if I could roll it back now, just an awareness of there are decisions you are making together on this journey that you could not preempt before you started this journey, mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's, it's looking at the way that you communicate with each other and going, okay, if a curveball gets chucked in here, how are we going to deal? You know, there's been situations where I've been at the clinic having to, you know, ring and call the parents to make a collective decision that is ultimately their decision on their relationship with their child going forward. And that is a different relationship to just carrying a baby mm -hmm. and um, not just carrying a baby, but there are different components yeah, sure. to it. Yeah. How, how do you feel, Meg? I think every intended parent and surrogate relationship is going to be different it's not going to be like a carbon copy every time and the relationship that I had with my IPs was we started off as friends we didn't put any pressure on mm -hmm. anything we knew that we were there for the reason of surrogacy but we wanted to start off as friends I said to them there is no pressure if this is successful when this baby's born to like some people would be like, oh, I'm kind of like an aunt. No, I'm not. I'm I'm your friend. Mm. And how you choose to tell your son, well, now that we know he's a son or daughter about me, that's your choice. And then how they want me in their life, that's also their choice. And, you know, from the very first day we physically met my IPs, we were having really heavy conversations. It was a lovely day. The sun was shining and we were having a picnic, but we were having like really sort of 
deep. uncomfortable, deep conversations yeah. that I don't think, like you wouldn't have that on a first date, you know, and this mm -hmm. is kind of like a first date for mm -hmm. us. And we just sort of had that conversation throughout our whole relationship as a, as a team, as a collective group of four. And we knew that the only way it would work is to build that on honesty and trust. Like I would trust them to make decisions that were right for myself and the baby and vice versa. I, like I would, if anything went wrong, for example, I would be calling them and letting them know and keeping them updated. But I wasn't texting them every day. I wasn't, you know, oh, there's a kick here, there's a kick there. Yeah. Like it was like friends. It started off like friends and it still is friends. That's mm -hmm. how I see it. I don't see it as like a, uh, like you said, a forever indebted sort of thing. Like mm -hmm. I am just as thankful to them as they are to me. It's completely Perfect. mutual. I think when I speak to intended parents, often on like consultations when they're really trying to help navigate and understand what their journey is going to look like, I talk to people about being realistic about the relationship because we, we all know, we've seen those matches where they're going to be lifelong friends and you can see they're all going to go skipping in the sunset, holding hands uh, under the rainbow with the unicorns. You know, it's like if you could get you know, the best scenario, that's it. Mm -hmm. And there are some IPs that are like that. Mm -hmm. But there are also some IPs uh, and surrogates who have a relationship that is enough to sustain their journey. Yeah, Everyone's absolutely. realistic about and it. That's okay. Everyone, and that's okay mm -hmm. too. And I think, I think a lot of people put so much pressure on themselves to have this, like, a fantastic, amazing relationship. And, and, and if you get that, great. But it's not... It's not always necessary. It's not... It always have to be the same. Yeah, yeah if you I don't get it, it doesn't mean you've failed. No, and I definitely think in a world where we know that there are more intended parents than there are surrogates that trying to force a relationship that isn't truly there is also a really key thing mm -hmm. to be aware That's of, it. right? Like you're not selling yourself to this surrogate so they pick you. It's, it is. Um, and I have to think, I think you have to be true to yourself. And if, and if you being true to yourself means that you have a relationship that is X then that's the right relationship uh -huh. for you. Because yeah. it's going to get tested, right? This relationship absolutely. is going to get tested yeah. at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You so get make it authentic. in yeah. ways that you didn't think. Expect. Yeah. Like yeah. I, not that I was naive, but you know, like I, I spoke to Haley and Gina and they were telling me about their stories and, but they were also saying it could be completely different for yours and I didn't put any thought really into what the third trimester would look like, what birth would look like. I just knew that like I was very open-minded and quite laid back, but when you're in those situations and looking back, you're like, wow, that was like the most intimate Absolutely. time of their Absolutely. life, my life. Absolutely. And it's an experience you will all never forget. And it doesn't mean that you have to be like texting and calling and hanging out no, all the time. All. Like even during pregnancy and after, there's no pressure. It's how you want your relationship to be. And I think it's how you communicate then as that as that group of people. And, and, and if that's what you want, then brilliant you know there's no expectation is there? there's no rule book of saying right we all we want a whatsapp group and we want to we want to hear every single movement we want to be at every you know that's it's fine to find your rhythm and to to go with it yeah. and i think there is something in finding your rhythm as well you know i think there's there's possibly an assumption at the beginning that there is a, a way that this is done or mm -hmm. a way that other mm -hmm. people have done this and actually going back to what I said around the kind of the autonomy of, of your own journey, learning to create a relationship of such intimacy, but also with such boundaries is also really empowering from mm -hmm. a, from both kind of angles, both the parents and the surrogate. It's, it is a relationship like no other, you know, and it's, 
um, it's really lovely to look back and go, oh, how has that evolved? What have we been through together? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah. Also, I feel like with this is probably more to like my journey with my IPs, but we were all new to it. They never had a baby before. I had never been pregnant before. So we were all so new to it and we were all learning together. And I think that's what helped shape our relationship. Like they were learning about what, like, like how the placenta looks and this, that and the other. And I was, I hadn't got a clue. All learning together. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they came to our scan and they were like learning about how things worked. And like, I had no idea as well. And I feel like that's, that doesn't have to be your relationship either. You don't have to go to every scan if you don't want to. No. You don't have to, like, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. Yeah, no. and there were, like, so many times where I would have appointments and I would ask my IPs if they wouldn't mind standing outside and they were absolutely fine with that. Mm-hmm. And But if I wanted them in the room, they would have been there as well. It's yeah. just yeah. about making sure there's an open dialogue between everyone. And it's everyone. those boundaries that you just mentioned, Kate. It's like, yeah. you know, set that from the get-go so everyone's on that right page. And it might be a little bit, you know... You might be testing those boundaries at times and they might be pushing over to the left, pushing over to the right. But at some point you are going to all find a level because mm-hmm. not everyone knows each other, you know, previously. And, and, and often you are kind of matched together and then set on this pathway to kind of build that relationship, which yeah. can yeah. be quite daunting for mm-hmm. everyone involved. And I remember like when I looked back at uh, our journey, it's like the relationship we thought we were going to have with our surrogate and the one we now have after, uh, you know, our surrogate Caroline and her family helping us create Tallulah and Duke is a massively different relationship than we we ever anticipated mm-hmm. having, uh, and that's okay too. You know, you've, I think a lot of people put too much pressure on getting this perfect relationship with their surrogate yeah. or with their intended parents, yeah. and really and then that that almost puts them at a kind of disadvantage to start with because they're trying to get the perfect scenario, mm-hmm. which just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. I see it. I'm, I'm a doula as well as my daytime work. And I see that in the relationship between doula and client as well. And if I look back on all of the different relationships I've had with clients, they vary so differently, you know, from people who have gone on to be lifelong friends to people who it was a very contractual business relationship that we had. It worked, it functioned, it, it got to that point of supporting them through a birth. But that no one in that package was ever looking for it to become this lifelong friendship. It was an agreement that both people understood where they were coming from within it. And I think if that's also what you're looking for and there's a surrogate who's also looking for that, then it exists, doesn't it? And It It does. It does. What's been your, both of you, this is for, what's been your biggest learning to date with learning about surrogacy or this journey? That pre-getting pregnant takes a really long time. (laughs) Um, There's very much an idea that at the beginning and certainly was in my mind of I'm going on a surrogacy journey. That will probably be the next year of my life. Um, We're a year into that journey and we're still trying to get pregnant. So I think it's just the surrogacy becoming a bit more of a way of life than a life event um and yeah i think just integrating that into the decisions you're making you know the way that we are doing our journey has a big impact on time scales of where i can be and when i can be there in terms of being yeah. in and out of the country or the holidays etc and just it's that commitment isn't it's it it's the commitment to you know being in it and also checking in with myself when you're repeating i guess doing embryo transfer repeating so this is my fifth round of ivf in the last eight months and i think actually having a like a realistic check-in with yourself of am i ready to do it on this cycle because the pressure is let's go again let's go again next yeah. cycle next cycle next cycle next cycle and last time last cycle when we were due to go 
I knew something wasn't right in myself. I needed a holiday <laughs> and I hadn't had a holiday for a really long time. And I, I needed to take a couple of weeks off and not be on meds and not be thinking about it. Yeah. But it's hard to kind of put your finger on the pulse of what that is when mm -hmm. you are in the momentum of let's make this baby. So, yeah, I think just making sure that you're checking in with yourself as well as the momentum of the journey to check when you need to Bible. have a bit of a break. I won't lie, I forgot the question. <laughs> I was we'll so do that. Kay talks so much. No. What was your biggest learning? Um, what have you learned the most about either yourself or the process? I would say when you have people in your life that have had babies and, you know, their own families, the most common thing they say is you can't plan for everything. And I thought that when I met my IPs, we would have everything down to a T and everyone would be on the same board. Like the, the woman doing our scan in the, our hospital, that she would know we were surrogates and she would understand and use the right terminology. And that's not the case. Mm -hmm. There were so many appointments I would go to and, you know, they would be like, oh, is mum okay? And I'd be looking around like, where's mum? Because it's, I know it's not <laughs> me, yeah. It's, or, that is so important. Yeah. yeah, or they'd be like, oh, like, how's how's the surrogacy mum? And I'm like, mm, you you were so close. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got to the point and then walked straight past <laughs> And I could almost give you a point for that one, but no, you, <laughs> yeah. you ruined it. Exactly, and I think... <laughs> looking back now I know that not everyone is going to understand it and we would get so many questions at every appointment like oh how how did you meet and how does this work and what's your relationship going to be like and yeah. people are so inquisitive aren't they yeah and I think it's really innocent but I think often sometimes you just think yeah you know, read the room yeah just always... scan me and shut up please just just <laughs> move yeah. on and I would always put myself in my IP shoes like they're both sat there yeah and they're listening to me being called mum yeah. and I'm like and we would have conversations about it afterwards I'd say to me you're okay and they were like well, no it's infuriating and it's yeah. annoying yeah. but there's nothing we can do like there's no point sitting there and being like actually uh and then like trying to teach them it's something that you know that's a sort of a longer battle and it something is that we're, it certainly is yeah, it's an uphill battle it that's is. for sure but it i is. think just sort of learning that not everyone is going to understand your journey yeah it was a tough pill to swallow but yeah. i think that's kind of what surrogacy is like you it's not straightforward and it should be and that's what's annoying like like we're always having to justify ourselves like why we're surrogates like why can't we just be surrogates because we want to be surrogates like mm -hmm. yeah. i'm not being persuaded to do anything i'm not being guilt tripped into do anything yeah. like i Coerced just or... yeah like there's no evil person standing like <laughs> under a little ditch trying to like <laughs> over. Do you know what i mean like, like the billy goats gruff yeah like yeah. what's that pennywise the clown like yeah. there's uh, under a drain well, that's a lot darker <laughs> <laughs> like there's nothing like that happening and just sort of having to just educate people all the time i just didn't think i you'd have would to do happen. that yeah. yeah 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 okay just going back to something that you said earlier is that how do you you know you, you've you've been on a, a year-long journey already how do you keep motivated what what keeps you motivating to continue going I mean, I think two things, the first being probably really virtuous and the second being that I'm just really stubborn. Um, <laughs> I am somebody who, if I decide I'm going to do something, you're going to have to kick me off kicking and screaming with a very valid reason to stop me. So, yeah, I am committed to doing surrogacy and I really want to see that through. Um, and the other links back to what I was saying before, I am I'm learning so much about myself and my decisions and how I make decisions for 
for birth when it's, you know, I'm a mother to two biologically. I've had three pregnancies. I've got a stepson. So I've kind of got my gaggle together and I've had to make a lot of decisions along that way. But making this decision feels so different that there is also a curiosity to that. Just like what it is teaching me on a day to day basis where I am being good at putting boundaries in place, not just talking the talk of, you know, putting boundaries in place where I am really assessing how I'm looking after my body for the purpose of, of doing this journey. And so, yeah, there's a motivation kind of of the, of the curiosity of learning and the fact that I'm just really stubborn. Um, final question. <laughs> how do your kids feel about it all? Yeah, my kids are great. They like booked me in for show and tell for school, but my, <laughs> my, my children could have written the relationships and sex education curriculum for this country. So um, yeah, they're probably quite advanced. Yes, I think it's quite a while back now since I told them my daughter was very pleased with um, the decision and very proud of me and had lots of nice words to say. And in all honesty, my son said, does it mean you're going to have breast milk again? To which I said, yes, but not for you. So, um, yeah, no, they're very, very open about it. We talk about it all the time. They watch me doing all my IVF injections and everything. It's very Fab. open conversation in the house. So, Meg, I know, and it may might not be common knowledge, so it might be an exclusive on this podcast, but you are looking to do another journey. Mm-hmm. So what, again, like the question I asked to Kay, you know, what motivates you? You know, what, what motivates you to want to do a journey again before doing it it was a case of and I'm not saying that everyone that's childless by choice should feel this way but I felt like I have the capacity the capability and I know everything works down there I feel this sense of like longing to do something like I'm not someone who's career driven but I wanted to have something drive me mm-hmm. And the moment I spoke to you guys, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe this is it. And then when I got pregnant and, you know, and it worked and it was, you know, perfect. I was like, this is what I think my calling is. And this is what drives me. Because I I made a a promise with my intended parents. The minute he came out, I didn't want to see him. My, that was the first people that should see him are his parents and then I wanted to see them together as a three and seeing them come around that curtain, like holding him and learning his name and like being able to hug him as well and be like, oh my God, you're the, you're the little one that like kicked me and made me really sick. Like you're really cute, but <laughs> I've got beef of you already. <laughs> um, and I think knowing that I'm able to do that for couples and you know I'm, I'm not just going to help my IPs if if I have the the womb space to do it I would do it over and over again until everything dries up down there and, <laughs> and the NHS gets sick of seeing me and they're like no more please um, but it's it's that moment of knowing that that family is there because I helped and my husband helped and just going through it together, it it really does bond you in a way that you genuinely can't explain it if you aren't in the midst of it or going through it. Seeing that little trio oh, made it all worth it. Just, this is just amazing, beautiful. amazing, <laughs> just absolutely beautiful. But I think there is there are people out there who you know don't have experience of it and mm-hmm. want to hear you know what motivates people. And I think hearing both of your points of view is really really valid, but also really 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 lovely yeah it's a relationship you can't you know the relationship you have between your kids isn't one that you can get in any other way is it you know no no. no other way and I think that even the concept that you can gift that to someone or provide that to someone is 
I mean, why wouldn't why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? It's so special and it's so precious. And you know, I think even where you are childless by choice, you can see the magic of that. What you're describing in your journey is seeing the magic of that moment where a family is complete and created. To be part of that is just magical. It's a real blessing. You feel like a fly on the wall. Like I felt like I wasn't really like there. Like I was watching it from. Granted, I was very. I had. I was in labour for 22 hours and probably delirious at that point. <laughs> but it felt like I was watching it from like an outsider's perspective and just watching them have their so moment. Special. That mm. that people who have their own kids get to feel like it. It was as close to, or at least I hope in their eyes, it was as close to a, a n- traditional birth as it could, could be. be yeah. sure. Oh my goodness. So powerful. Ladies, you've been absolutely amazing. amazing. Thank you so, Thank you. so much for Thank coming. You Thank you guys for having this, us. This was, that was so fun. <laughs> it was just the best. Thank you. Have a lo- lovely day. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Bye. Wow. Just super, super powerful. I, I absolutely love that. I, I think what well, for me, it's it's making sure that those messages are heard and those voices get heard because I'm, you know, I'm sick of hearing how certain groups continue to target surrogates as, you know, as being poor and uneducated and and vulnerable and and these women are absolute warriors and they're strong and they're independent and they've got careers and their lives are mapped and they know exactly what they're doing. I totally agree. I think you know. You just listen to two really intelligent, articulate women who have absolute autonomy over what they want to do. Mm-hmm. They give an amazing account of their journeys uh, and and how they're managing their journeys and progressing through it. You know, I think for me, hearing you know how much passion came out of both of them and how they're just so aligned with their IPs and all aligned on the journey. It's just it's just amazing to hear. And that's that's this is what people need to listen to. I, I was just gonna say that. This is the real story of surrogacy. Totally. This is and, and, and those people that don't understand it or have some of the views um that are unfair and and inaccurate, this this is an episode for for you. So signpost this if you know someone who needs to learn more about surrogacy and these are just two yeah amazing people exactly. there are so many more people exactly. out there exactly. who are helping people that they these are the ones that are making a massive difference for in the sure. world for sure so if this, if this episode touched you and you want to find out more about my surrogacy journey and our completely unique surrogate membership then please head over to our website which is www.mysurrogacyjourney.com or you can find us over on instagram at official my surrogacy journey if you love this episode then please subscribe to the series and we will have another episode coming out weekly Thanks for listening. We have been your My Surrogacy Journey podcast hosts. Goodbye. Goodbye.